Hi, I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Nick Jimenez in the news. And we're from Back to the Future Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the entire Back to the Future trilogy one minute at a time. Like the minute when Principal Strickland becomes a vigilante hero of the wasteland after Biff takes over Hill Valley in the alternate 1985 timeline. I I don't... Wait, I don't I don't remember. Or that. the minute where we learn that Dr. Emmett Brown is secretly the saxophone king of Hill Valley. Hold on. When when did that or when did that happen? When we slowly start to realize that George McFly may have murdered both of his parents. Okay. Now I don't I don't remember that being in the movies. Well, Scott, that's because none of those things are actually in the movies, but it's all stuff that we talk about on Back to the Future Minute. Back to the Future Minute, available at DuelingGenre.com and wherever you get your podcasts. Dueling Genre. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Fellowship of the Ring one Pippin-filled minute at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm Norman Mitchell. Mary's here too. I know, but Pippin does most of the talking. And today, Pippin's my fave, okay? Fight me. And today we'll be talking about Minute 106, which starts with Mary and Pippin's face uh, emerging, face, faces emerging from behind a column. and Their shared face. (laughs) They are one. And ends with a mysterious hand wiping away some gross leaves and debris off what looks to be a tombstone. Yes. Headstone. Grave marker? All all of these things. Yes. All of these things. The base of a grave. Yes. Written in Elvish. He's like picking dirt out of the Elvish engravings. Right. Wiping away leaves. Whoever this person is doing this. (laughs) Whoever it is. Who knows? We'll find out tomorrow. So we get my favorite Pippin line in the movie. Mission quest thing. thing. You need people of intelligence <laughs> on this mission quest thing. I love Gandalf's face. Well, that counts face. you out, Pip. Yeah, I love Gandalf's face. He's just like, Can you, are you hearing this guy? Like, what? I also, I love Elrond's face when Mary and Pippin run in. It's like he just moved the stove and found a rat. He's, okay, no, because... In the previous minute, he's so amused and, like, bemused by Sam's willingness to just follow Frodo to the ends of the earth. And then yes. there's more. And he's like, oh, what? There's more of them. I can't get rid of them. They're, well, like, no, triples. No, can't get rid of them. They're leaving with them. That's true. Well, no, because Bilbo's staying. Yeah. He'll never fully be rid of the halflings. The halfling menace. <laughs> the halfling agenda. <laughs> the halfling agenda. <laughs> Honestly, if I were a hobbit in this movie, I would write, my autobiography would be The Halfling Agenda. Right? Yeah, I could see that. I want to run a D&D campaign based on The Halfling Agenda. Like, right? Well, th- these trading caravans trying to amass all the wealth of the realm. <laughs> yes. I love halflings. <laughs> trying to trying to start some sort of plutocracy. <laughs> Oh my god, my fave. I love them so much. Uh, so, there's not a whole lot to talk about in this one. No, this is, a, this is a very light minute. Tomorrow we get to talk about one of my favorite scenes that was cut from the theatrical, mm. uh, which we see the very beginning of. 
at the end of this minute. Yeah. I really like, I don't know. I really like that where they chose to end the first disc of the extended edition is such a silly moment, but it's also kind of really appropriate because it segues so well into the latter half of the story. Yeah. Like, um, oh, where are we going? Like, <laughs> yes. Although the, um, in the extended edition, it's a really good place to cut like the halfway mark of the movie. Yeah. But that question in the theatrical immediately leads into Frodo and the company leaving Rivendell. So it's a little more. Oh, right. It's, it's a little more, uh, quick. Yeah. So it has a little more punch when it's like, where are we going? And then they're immediately leaving. Right. As opposed to where are we going? And then we cut to uh, everyone preparing to leave. Yes. And then we cut to everyone preparing to leave. Uh, the, well, uh, Bilbo giving Frodo sting is still in the theatrical oh, that's, cut. Yeah. That's right. But that is one scene of two, one on either side of it that was cut out of the theatrical. So like the scene at the gravestone is before Bilbo gives Frodo sting and then there's a small farewell speech after that that was also cut from the theatrical that we'll talk about this week. Mm. So there's a scene on either side of Bilbo giving Frodo Sting and the Mithril Coat. I'm glad we finally saw the theatrical, but honestly, I can't even remember it. Like, you know what I mean? Because I've seen the extended so many times, it's just ingrained in my memory. So yeah. like, a few things stood out that were missing in the theatrical, but then... Nice I shiny just, daggers. Yeah. Um... And we talked a little bit about it on the, um, the weekend edition. I'm sure we'll talk about it at length when I'm not drinking a beer. Um. <laughs> and like as we get to those scenes that we now have much uh, greater context for. Right, yeah. Because while I have seen the theatrical of Fellowship before, I had never sat down and watched it all in a row. Mm -hmm. So it was interesting to me to take the movie in in that way. I kind of wish that we had done that beforehand. Um, I just didn't have them. And I don't know anyone that does. Yeah, everyone else has the extended like that's yeah. just the go-to i mean maybe we live in this weird like pocket dimension. lord of the rings bubble or something yeah. but like everyone yeah. i know has the extended yeah me too <laughs> uh, in fact i am uh of my primary group of friends i'm the only one that has lord of the rings and mm. i've lent my extended editions to people multiple times which is how one of my cases got a little damaged but that's okay <laughs> i'm not bitter i mean that's why i don't lend comic books out to people anymore you know who you are she doesn't listen to this but it's fine <laughs> <laughs> she might someday <laughs> and then she'll get upset i'm calling you out right. um <laughs> Man, this is a really light minute <laughs> um we can talk about uh hatless gandalf hatless gandalf uh, which i bit. hadn't really noticed yeah uh there comes a point in this movie and it's in the grand scheme of gandalf's time in this movie it's not a lot of time where he just stops wearing the hat well, he doesn't have a hat in this one. No, he doesn't have a hat in this minute. And that's because it was kind of windy outside on the day they were filming oh. this. So, And on windy days, Ian McKellen absolutely despised that hat. I thought they filmed this inside, though. Like, they uh, had the, the fans blowing, so there was like a gentle breeze in Elrond's beautiful Oh, yes. Hair. He's, well, he's also probably not wearing his hat because it's a formal meeting. Oh, true. But uh, have, have, uh, so in so here manners. and in the, the farewell speech bit, he's like, there's a part of it you can see him not wearing the hat. Part of it you can see him wearing the hat. On windy days or when they were outside in windy places, like outside windy places or when there was wind on set, yeah. Ian McKellen hated that hat. 
So he would like stuff it under his arm and stuff all that the time. That makes sense. And I can definitely understand not enjoying that hat in the breeze as it's quite large and silly. Yeah, it'll like it would knock me over. Right? It like a strong gust of wind. You could go like, parasailing oh. with it. <laughs> a hobbit could anyway. Um, but I like that the Gandalf, like hatless Gandalf, kind of also signifies that we're about to um see some serious like shit you know yeah. like when gandalf is hatless serious things are happening yeah because it's inherently silly yes like it's it's like comically oversized john howe refers to it in the uh in the commentary as the last remnant of the sort of silly nature of the hobbit in the movie oh is gandalf's silly hat that makes sense so when we see gandalf without the silly hat we're not in the same tone as the hobbit right we're in a much more mature tone it's interesting that he points that out, considering they made Lord of the Rings first. Yes. And it'll be interesting going back and watching those Hobbit movies and seeing... How often he's not wearing the hat. How often he wears the hat and when he doesn't. Because, I mean, I think that's the inherent... I, we talk about the Hobbit movies a lot. That's um, the inherent flaw in the Hobbit movies, is because they were made second, so they had to follow the tone of these movies. Well, no. I mean, what I was saying is the inherent of the Hobbit movies is that it's a very silly treasure hunt story that takes itself way too seriously. Yeah. Well, that's because they were matching the tone of these movies instead of matching the tone of the work itself. Right. But it's like it's like making a Green Lantern movie feel like a Batman movie. You can't make a crazy green power ring that's allergic to yellow serious. You know? You can't yeah. you can't make the Green Lantern grim dark. I'm sorry. I mean... You cannot. <laughs> there are... You can make individual grimdark stories. Right. But the, the very but concept the overall, of, the, of the silly power... The overall aesthetic that And you, I love Green Lantern, but No, I, I know you do, but you know what I mean? Like, it's that whole grimdark, stupid superhero thing that... It, it's because of the success of the Nolan Batman movies. Right. And... I love those movies. Me too. Those are really good Batman movies, and they're really good crime movies. Um, Dark Knight Rises, not a not you know withstanding. Um, but <laughs> I like Dark Knight Rises. But you can't approach different stories with the same tone, right? You can, but right, you can't make uh, you, making a Batman movie. Well, making a Superman movie like a Batman movie doesn't really work the same way. Right. You're not communicating the underlying... Because tone, tone is super important in storytelling because a lot of the time the tone will indicate your themes, your message, the way the characters interact with each other and interact with their world. Yeah. So you're really setting... I mean, it's the tone. So you're setting the stage for your story. And if you... Like, transplant a story like The Hobbit, which is inherently a children's story, and you put it in this gritty, realistic, fantasy, epic world that The Lord of the Rings lives in, I know it's part of the same mythos, and I know it's part of the same overarching story, but it just doesn't work, you know? Yeah. Especially when, like, you're trying to stay so... Uh, 
for the most part, kind of gritty and realistic. But then you have some of the really over-the-top silliness of the Dwarven Company right. in those movies as well. And my favorite part of those Hobbit movies is when they remind you that this is like 13 dwarves and like a hobbit just like messing around, you know, yeah. or 12 dwarves rather. Cause it's no, 13 and a hobbit. Because the reason they needed the burglar so when Gandalf left them, it wasn't 13. Uh, and I'm like, are you number. sure? Yes. Okay. Because they, they didn't want to be traveling in a company of an unlucky number. That's true. When Gandalf See, that left in them. itself is silly. That in itself is ridiculous. Yeah. Oh my God. Thorin is very superstitious. <sighs> I mean. I have a lot of feels about the Hobbit movies, you guys. In a world, in a world <laughs> where magic is real, I think that superstitions, while coming off as silly to like your average reader. Or your average no, I observer. I... But in a world where magic is real, superstitions must be real. They must hold power of right. some kind. Right. So you have to kind of suspend your disbelief of like silly superstitions in the real world when you're reading fantasy novels. Right. No, um, I, I mean like I'm superstitious about some things. but And I know it's very silly. But it's it's like important to that character in that moment but like if you take a step back and you're like oh that's ridiculous yeah but the whole like the hobbit and lord of the rings too but lord of the rings uh, lord of the rings is more of a like an, an epic fantasy with a capital e and a capital f and the hobbit is like a bedtime story and yes there are elements of epic fantasy you have the dragon and you have bard and you have all of this stuff going on behind the scenes that we get a glimpse of in the Hobbit movies, for better or for worse. But at its core, the Hobbit is, it's like, a tr it's a treasure hunting story. Yeah. You know? It's, it's like, I don't know. It's like Treasure Island. Yeah, Treasure Island. And, uh, you know, you have your somewhat bright-eyed, at first reluctant, but really interested in the treasure kind of main character. Right. And then you have all these weird, offbeat characters around him. Right. And a greedy villain. Oh, man. I think there there are a, there's there's a good amount of similarities between Treasure Island and The Hobbit. Yeah, but The Hobbit's better. Well, yeah. I'm not saying it isn't. Have you read Treasure Island? Like, the book? Like, no. Like, I love Treasure Island adaptations, but the book is so bad. Well, Muppet Treasure Island's the best. Oh, book. my God. And also Treasure Planet. Like, yeah. I love Treasure Island adaptations, but the source material is awful. It's so bad. I don't, Jim is, Jim sucks, but The Hobbit is like, I don't know. The Hobbit walks that sweet spot between being a children's story, but also being accessible and readable for adults and enjoyable, you know? Yeah. Because like, because Treasure Island was written for boys and it says like, it's a boy's novel. And I was like, okay. So I read it and I'm like, oh God. Jim is the stupidest person I've ever encountered in fiction. Like, I mean, I was like 14 at the time, so that list has grown. But just, uh, I also have a lot of feelings about Treasure Island, apparently. Yes. Obviously. <laughs> don't be Jim, okay? Just don't. Look at your life and look at your choices, Jim Hawkins. Yes. If you have the choice to be Jim or Tim Curry's interpretation of Long John Silver, <laughs> pick Long John Silver. Or even that kid's interpretation of Jim. Like, don't be... Nah, I'd rather be Tim Curry. 
Don't be Robert Louis Stevenson, Jim Hawkins. It's it's a bad person to be. Man, how incredible would Tim Curry have been as like in the in these movies as anyone? Did they consider Tim Curry for anything? I don't think so. Can you imagine Tim Curry as the voice of Sauron? <laughs> uh, we I saw that in Fern Gully. That's true. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's where that comes from. I don't know. <laughs> that would be Hexus. <laughs> I think that's more of a, a well, Saruman thing. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I Industry mean, versus nature. Right. Destroying the planet. Can you imagine Tim Curry as Saruman? All those over-the-top lines. Oh my you god. You have chosen the way of pain. <laughs> Tim Curry. <laughs> There's an alternate reality version of this movie for you. Oh my god, fund it. I want it. It's it's so silly. Even just like an uh an animated Or like uh like a BBC style parody like those Rowan Atkinson Doctor Who parody oh my skits. God. Just Christopher just uh just Tim Curry instead. That's ridiculous. Doing Lord of the Rings stuff. That'd be great. I love those BBC parody Doctor Who things with Rowan Atkinson. They're great. I they are very funny, but it's... I, I just love Rowan Atkinson. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Different strokes for different folks. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if there's anything else. No, to this talk minute's about. super light. I mean we've just we've been riffing on a bunch of stuff for the last yeah. ten minutes. Yeah. But so. I think Hatless Gandalf is really cool to track in the future. Yeah. I mean, up until he disappears. Spoilers. Um <laughs> Spoilers. Gandalf dies. Uh. <laughs> if you don't know that and you're listening to this minute podcast, I don't know why you're listening. Exactly. Oh my god. That's um I would question your motives. I don't know. I mean I I'd know. be interested to see how many people have never seen Lord of the Rings and are listening for the first time. I mean, I know of at least one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our friend. Oh, yeah. But I thought she watched it once. Yeah, but I guess she like blocked it in her brain because it was like a bad time in her life. Oh. Whatever. Um, Sad times, bad times. Yeah. So, uh, you can find us on DuelingGenre.com, and also check out our Patreon, which you can access from DuelingGenre.com slash support. Uh, hopefully, by the time this airs, we will have uh, started our weekend edition. Um, so, at five bucks a month through Patreon, you can have access to that, as well as all the other behind-the-scenes podcasts for all of our other dueling genre shows and a bunch of other cool stuff. So check that out, um, and have a good Monday, everybody, and we'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye! Bye.